So it was like, if I could do all of these things for another company that I don't own and I was so passionate about and committed to, imagine what I could do for myself. It's completely different, right? Because I came from this big box organization, but I was just like, let's do it. And if it doesn't work out, you know, I did more than what 4% of people actually do, which is act on their action. Welcome to the Wear, Wag, Repeat podcast. I'm Tori Mystic. As a dog mom lifestyle expert, blogger, and business owner, I love talking to other women in the pet industry and sharing their advice with you every week. Sit, stay, and listen to the latest episode. In this episode, I'm talking to Melissa Michener. She's the founder of the Harlem-based grooming and pet care facility, The Bark Shop. Melissa has such an inspiring story about launching her business in just 90 days, using only her personal savings to do so. Since the day she started, community engagement and customer service have been extremely important. I love how outgoing and, to be honest with you, scrappy she was about getting the word out about her business in the first few years. After hearing her stories, I think that you'll be inspired to get out there and tell everyone that you can find about your business. Melissa is also an amazing advocate for inclusion and diversity. She works with many programs that empower young people to avoid involvement in the criminal justice system through career training and education. Melissa told me that it's important to her to speak out about her experience as a business owner in the pet industry because she can inspire people who didn't even know this career path was an option for them. As you know, I love to support women pursuing their dreams to work alongside their dogs. One of the places that I've created a community around that is the Wear, Wag, Repeat Labs Facebook group. This private group is a great place to experiment with new ideas you have for your pet business and connect with other women in the industry. Request to join today by searching Wear, Wag, Repeat Labs on Facebook. Just go to Facebook and type in the search bar Wear, Wag, Repeat Labs and you will find us. Melissa Michener is the CEO and founder of The Bark Shop, located in Harlem, New York. She has over a decade of experience in business management and expansion. Prior to entering the pet care industry, she worked for Best Buy, one of the largest retail companies in the nation, and was responsible for hiring over 6,000 people. Since starting The Bark Shop, her business has been named one of the top pet grooming salons in all of New York City, been featured on Fox Business, Good Morning America, and various other media outlets. Melissa is passionate about creating a space for diversity and inclusion in underserved communities. She's a founding member of the nonprofit Take Care of Harlem and also serves on the junior board of the Food Bank of New York City. Hi, Melissa. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you today? I'm feeling super pumped. Awesome. I know. I feel like um, I'm also just feeling like there's some good energy going on this week. Like I know that the lockdowns are kind of continually in the back of our minds, but somehow I'm feeling the dog vibes today. Yes, me too. We got to stay optimistic, ground ourselves in positivity. And being surrounded by dogs definitely helps. <laughs> 
Yes, they love us, my four-legged friends. Um, so tell me about the Bark Shop. What was your inspiration behind starting this business? So the Bark Shop is a premier pet care company. As you said, we're located in Harlem. Um, I think a lot of people will be shocked to know that I opened my business in 90 days. Uh, and I came up with the concept in the living room of my project apartment while watching a reality here called Chicago Licious. Uh, it's like Jersey Licious on Wii. And on the episode, this woman was saying where she took her dog, how much she loved it. And immediately a light bulb went off. I started looking up the industry. I was like, this is super cool. Um, I just decided in 90 days to jump in. I never grew up with a dog. I didn't know anything about dogs. If you met me eight years ago, I would not be picking up pee or poop at all. Like I wasn't even like thinking about dogs. And I just was like, I'm going to do this. My family thought I was having a complete nervous breakdown. You know, I had left Best Buy. I was in college to finish my degree in middle and high school education. And I remember having a meeting with my mom and my grandmother and my friends. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm going into the dog industry. And they're like, what? What are you talking about? And I was like, listen, I'm emptying my savings. I'm going to do this. I found a place. So I saw that in May. I signed a lease in June. I enrolled in grooming school in June. We grand opened in August. And eight years later, we have the bark shop. That is amazing. You just like had this like fire lit within you that you're like, I have to do this. I just jumped in. I thought it was, you know, one, I think it was because I had a split crowd, right? So half of my family was like, you're crazy. Like you could buy a house. What are you thinking? Like this is a down payment. And then my other friends were like, you know, do it. I think it's badass that you're willing to just jump in. And I mean, 90 days looking back, I I could have done some things differently, but I was super passionate and was like, we're going to do this. And I just did it. I think that like sometimes when you, when you first start and when you're young, cause you were like in your mid twenties when you started, I was 26. Yeah. So I think when you're like in that mid twenties sweet spot, you don't like think that anything bad could happen and you just kind of go for things and you're not afraid and it's kind of magical. Yeah. I think also like, And I think about this a lot often now, right? So I grew up in the poorest congressional district in the nation, in the South Bronx. Anyone that lives in like New York City public housing knows that those are terrible conditions. So it couldn't get any worse than that. You know, like I just had to take that risk and jump in. And I believed in myself. I worked at this great company, you know, and that was my first and only job. So I started as a line level associate. I left the store. I had grand open stores in the Bronx. I was flying to Minnesota. So it was like, if I could do all of these things for another company that I don't own and I was so passionate about and committed to, imagine what I could do for myself. It's completely different, right? Because I came from this big box organization, but I was just like, let's do it. And if it doesn't work out, you know, I did more than what 4% of people actually do, which is act on their action. Yeah. That's an amazing story, Melissa. And I, you're like totally right. I, I think that just starting, just doing it puts you way ahead of pretty much everyone else because tons of people have ideas, but they don't always act on them. So you're like, even just by starting, you're like way ahead of everyone else. So um, it's really inspiring. Um, so, so when you start, when you first opened the Bark Shop, you know, you opened in 90 days, you're like so excited and so passionate. What was your business like when you first started? Like, can you describe like if someone were to walk in the door, like what was it like being there? 
So when I first started, I had this whole idea of a luxury pet care facility. Um, Harlem is a very mixed demographic. So, you know, we have, I can go one block west and I have people that are thriving and, you know, very successful and I can go one block east and I have people that are on a very fixed set income. So I had this whole luxury concept and, you know, we were going to be really high end. I had chandeliers and like this beautiful pink velvet couch and things like that. Um, I didn't have an awning. Uh, there was nothing that said like, it was called Poor Prince of Harlem at the time. It was nothing that said Poor Prince of Harlem. So I would go out and I would go to Central Park with five blocks from Central Park. I would walk to Central Park in the morning and hand out my flyers. And I would walk through the projects and hand out my flyers. And I would tell people like, hey, you know, we're, we're right down the block, you know, try us out. And people would say, that's not for us. And I'm like, no, I created this. Like, I created this so you don't have to leave your neighborhood. And then I remember I had um, three of my first clients. One of the gentlemen's names was Mark Harris. He had two shih tzus, Socks and Kobe. And he, I gave him the flyer. I was super enthusiastic. And he was like, you know, if you ace this, we could get you all the dogs. And I was like, okay, you know, I'm down. I was like, I had one groomer at the time. We were open five days a week. And I said, I have the best groomers. Like, you can trust me. And he came in. He actually did. And he advocated for us. And from then, the dog run, like, the news at the dog run, and I would say for the first five years of business, I didn't have an awning. So, you know, you just knew to get to the corner of 115th Street. Melissa would take care of you. She would have someone, because I wasn't doing the grooming either. I was growing the business. I was out there guerrilla marketing. People were like, what's guerrilla marketing? That's literally when you have flyers and you're running down on people like, hey, I want to tell you about my company, you know? And that was what I was doing for the first, I would say, 90 days. I had uh, made sure that I paid my rent for at least 90 days. So I didn't have to think about, you know, how we were going to make the rent. I could just focus on growing the business, meeting people, talking to people. I'm a people person. I love people. So, and I'm super chatty. So I was just like walking up to random people, Starbucks, you know, people will leave their dog outside. I would be standing right by their dog. Like, hey. <laughs> and I was like, creepy girl at the time. <laughs> like, hi, I just want to tell you about, you know, poor Prince of Harlem and that the word just spread from there. And I think the customer service, like for me, the clients are the centerpiece of our business. And we really focus on that. I always say like, don't be afraid to go above and beyond because there's never any traffic. So that's something that I really pride us in. It's like we go above and beyond and we have fun too. So, yeah, I, I just love that. And I can see the excitement in your voice. And I love that you can remember like that first customer who like really advocated for you. It's, I can tell that like how important your customers are to you. That, like you remember his name and the whole story and everything. Um, and you mentioned that like when you were kind of walking around like certain areas of your neighborhood and the projects that you got kind of a mixed reaction. Like some people didn't think this was a great idea uh, and, you know, were worried that it was, uh, you know, maybe a start of gentrification in the neighborhood. So why did you think it was important for you to still base your business in Harlem, despite some of that criticism? So interestingly enough, I think it was like my third year anniversary. It was like a little running joke with my landlords and kind of the tenants in the building. They were like, we didn't think you were going to make it. And I was like, what? And they were like, yeah, there have been like 10 other businesses there. So I'm actually the longest business that's been in that space. And I actually opened the bark shop because when I lived in the South Bronx and when I moved to Harlem, I never did anything in my community. 
I always went to the Upper East Side and the Upper West Side because I thought that that's where I would get the best service. You know, I didn't have to deal with attitudes, you know, things like that. So when I opened, I noticed that the neighborhood was changing. And immediately I thought, how great would it be for me to serve people that look like me, right? But also be an example and become a pillar in the community to let people know like, hey, there's this young girl, you know, I grew up in the project, so I can completely relate. I didn't have a million dollars. No one in my family said, here, just try this idea out. I literally emptied my savings and said, let's do it. So I really wanted to connect with everyone. And I always say, you know, I don't care if you spend $1 or a million dollars. I want you to feel good. Even if you don't spend anything, right? Even if you don't have a dog or a cat and you just say, hey, I know a place because that happens all the time. You know, I have a lot of people in the neighborhood. They know me. A lot of my friends uh, say, oh, I'm the mayor. Like they make a joke about it because I talk to everybody. Um, And that's been, I think that's so important. The community is so important in my business. And I know that because I never had an awning for five years. There was nothing that had the business name. You know, we had some photos of dogs at the top and we had like a sticker in the window, but it was all word of mouth. We had such organic growth and we built that. But it was important for me to connect with people. And yes, gentrification, some people say, oh, it's not a good thing or it was scary, but I wanted to kind of create that community through the dogs. And I think that it doesn't matter if you're black, white, Indian, Asian, red, purple, the love of the dogs, the passion of the cats and the, you know, what we do, we doing this. I do this because I love it. And every day that I open my doors, I want you to feel that love. So I think that it was just perfect timing. People thought I was completely crazy. They were like, what are you talking about? There's no dogs here. You know, and for a long time, we started seeing like Shih Tzu, Pomeranian Yorkie, Shih Tzu, Pomeranian Yorkie. We weren't seeing diverse, you know, breeds. And then I remember we started getting calls. Like, I remember the Bouvier, Lucy. There's a, a, a first client, Lucy, our first Bouvier. And I'm on Google, right? Like, oh. I said, can you hold for one second? Like, can you hold for one second? And I'm like, hey, John, do you know how to groom a Bouvier? And he's like, yeah, I could do it. And then I was like, yeah, we can take you, you know? So <laughs> it was such a great learning experience. Um, I would say opening the bar shop has one of, been one of the best experiences of my lifetime. It's taught me so much as an entrepreneur. It's taught me so much as a person, as a human being. And I think even with the climate today, I'm so restored, my faith in humanity, you know, and the diversity of our clientele and the outpouring love and you know, we're going through a traumatic experience right now, you know, with the pandemic, you know, I'm a black woman, Black Lives Matter movement. There's so many things going on. I live in right by a hospital. I hear ambulances like at one point in New York, it was every seven minutes, every five minutes, you know. So I think through pet care, my faith has been restored in humanity. And I feel like I just have an even bigger purpose and mission. Are you searching for a way to earn extra income in your pet business and expand your reach with really cool branded products? I bet you'd love to have an online store, but do you have the space to store inventory or extra time to ship products out to your customers? Me neither. That's why I'm obsessed with on-demand products. Print-on-demand technology gives you a way to boost your income and brand awareness with a zero inventory online store full of high quality products. In my new masterclass, launch an on-demand online store for pet lovers, 
You'll save a ton of time by learning how I set up my own on-demand products like shirts, mugs, tote bags, and more. I'll let you in on the mistakes I made so you don't make them. And I'll explain the strategies I use to sell hundreds of on-demand products in the Wear, Wag, Repeat shop. Want to check it out and get a jump start creating on-demand products that your customers will be begging to buy? Head over to wearwagrepeat.com slash courses and click on the on-demand online store masterclass. Enrollment is open now at wearwagrepeat.com slash courses. Yeah, you know, I think that you just touch on something like our pets really kind of teach us like what is important. And I think that with everything going on in the world, people are spending more time with their pets. They're like, you know, really appreciating the love that our pets have to give us. And, and also, you know, I think like coming together through like a shared love of pets, you can be friends with people from like any walk of life or anywhere. I mean, I have Instagram followers, like all over the world, all over the place who like, we all just love each other because we love dogs or we love Labradors or like whatever it is. And it's just so cool how people can come together. Um, just, just because of dogs. I mean, I think people who, who aren't in this industry maybe don't get it, but like, it's pretty magical and it's pretty awesome. Um, so, so you mentioned like, you're very passionate about helping underserved communities or maybe underrepresented communities. Um, Do you have any advice for the pet bosses who are listening on maybe how they could make their own businesses more diverse and more inclusive? Is there anything that that people can do in like a brick and mortar business or if they're a dog trainer or if they're just an online store? Like how can they be more inclusive of underrepresented communities? I think one, just being open. That's the first step, right? I think being open and engaging, um, what I've learned. So I think most importantly, the reason why there's not a lot of people of color that are owners in this industry is because there's a lack of funding, right? So I was blessed to have money saved to be able to just start a company. But I also lived in the conditions where my rent was $287.20, right? That's like unheard of. So just being open and able to provide internship opportunities. So we work with a lot of organizations. We work with uh, GOSO, which stands for Get Out, Stay Out, Friends of the Island, which is for young adults that were previously incarcerated in Rikers Island, which is a a detention center here. We work with Pathways to Graduation and City at School, which is an alternative high school, which I'm also an alumni of. I graduated from an alternative high school. So I think it's important to give people the opportunity and speak about the business and let them know, because I think people always think, oh, I could be a vet. That's the only thing that you could do within the pet care industry. So if you're a dog walker, you know, share your skill set. Try to find interns and people that you can share information with. Because one, what I find is that it makes your workload easier, but it also helps open up this network and create ideas and a space for people that didn't know that it even existed. So a lot of times, you know, and I've had some of the toughest, strongest guys that come in and like, yeah, 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 miss. And by the end, they're like mush and they're like, we don't want to leave. We don't want to, (laughs) you know, or I've actually hired some of my interns um, full time and brought them into the company. So I think just creating the space to provide the opportunity, 
using your platform to talk about how you got started. Um, there's millions of dogs, so there's no reason why we can't share insight because in, in pet grooming particularly, the industry is growing faster than what we can meet the demand. So we need more groomers. We need more talent. We need more people. So I think inclusivity is important. Um, and seek out organizations that you can partner with. Seek out, you know, people. I So many people off the street were like, how did you do this? And I'm always like, okay, you know, I'll map out time or I'll stand there and I'll talk to them right in that moment because I think it's also important. People need to feel seen and they also need to be heard, right? So I'm very intentional about like, I see you. I don't care about whatever happened before you got here. I see you for who you are and we're going to make this chapter in your story. We're going to create it together. So I always say like, you meet me 50% and I'll meet you the other 50%. But when you come in this building, I need you to give 110%. Yeah, you're you're just really generous with your knowledge. And um, and just like that, just even like a little bit of generosity can make a huge impact in someone's life. Just like seeing, you know, a lot of people probably thought this was never an option for them until they saw you doing it. So, um, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. And I think that um, we often overlook, you know, how much people look up to us as pet business owners, like, you know, a lot of people love dogs, but they're like, oh, I can never make money or their family tells them you're crazy or it's just a hobby. You can't really do that. Um, So it is important to just speak up and just share what you know, like as you are doing. (laughs) Um, fun too. Yes. I think that's so important because you get so caught up in the everyday day to day and I'm in New York City. So like I always make a joke, people come here to follow their dreams and live in a box, right? So super small, high rent. People don't even say good morning, you know? So I'm intentional about like just creating those relationships. Say hi. I always say a smile will get you a a long way, you know, because that's welcoming. Just that smile is like, if I smile at someone, they either, they're going to smile back, right? Or they're going to be like, she's kind of weird. But, (laughs) and then I'll just wave and say like, you know, I'm just saying hi because it's important. And it breaks that, it breaks the barrier. At the end of the day, we're all human. We all want to be connected, seen, and heard. So. Yeah. I was, you make me think of like, I was just at the park the other day and someone like waved at the group of dog owners and they're like, hi. And I waved back, hi. And everyone was like, do you know them? And I was like, no, (laughs) just saying hi. (laughs) Why not? You know, especially, especially now with social distancing and everything, it's important to just do the little things. Um, So you talked a little bit about like how important it is to to value your customers, to give amazing customer support, to make everyone feel like they're seen and heard. How does that translate into hiring? So like, you know, from your corporate background, you're a hiring expert. Um, How do you, um, you know, what are some of your hiring practices or, you know, what are some of your best tips for how to hire a really good team who can deliver on, you know, the kind of customer service that you do personally? So, First things first, with grooming, particularly, you have to groom a dog first. Um, I have to see the quality of the haircuts that you can do. But after that, I want to know about the person. I want to know about, you know, what's your vision? So, you know, I always ask, you know, what's your, three, what's your three-year plan? Will you see yourself next year? And a lot of times people are shocked because they sometimes don't even think about it or they haven't even gotten that far. So I always want to know the intentions of the person and what goals so we can kind of tailor their experience towards that. So I work with a lot of groomers that they want to open their own businesses eventually, right? 
Um, and I always say, if you're in the same position that you were in the next year, then I failed you as a leader. So we really work on like, what are your plans? What are your goals? And how can we help you with that? Uh, we, I ask, you know, just certain questions about how often were you late? I'm a stickler for time and attendance. Anybody that's ever worked with me will say, you know, that's one thing that I don't waver on. 50% of the job is coming to work on time. So how often are you late? Are you a morning person? Are you, a, you know, an afternoon person? Because I never want to set people up to fail. Right. So if I know that you're an afternoon person, I'm not going to schedule you at seven in the morning. It just doesn't make sense. So just really getting to know the person, um, understanding their their lifestyle, their goals. And do they fit into the the goals of the, the business? I would say earlier on, I was hiring just to fill the need to grow the company. And now I'm a lot more intentional about the people I bring in this space. So we actually go through a few interviews because I interview you then we'll have a sit down with the groomers and the rest of the team to ensure that you're a good fit because we're, we're, we're in a very, we're a family. That's, that's just the, the best way to explain it. So I want to make sure that, you know, you're a good extension of our family and, you know, I never want to set anyone up to fail. So I want to make sure that you align with our core values and our beliefs. And that's pretty much it. So what happens if someone turns out to not be a good fit. Um, I think that a lot of, especially women business owners can be a little bit paralyzed by fear of having to let someone go. It's very confrontational. A lot of people want to avoid that. What's the best way to talk to someone if they're not really a good fit? So it's actually the the part of my job that I hate the most, Um, but it has to be done, right? Because what I say is when you don't deliver, you impact everybody in this space. Right. So I have to have those conversations and essentially, you know, I'll be very upfront and I'll say, hey, you know, we're noticing these things happen. We have a lot of systems in place. So that's also important. We document a lot of things. So, you know, depending on the circumstance, hey, you were late. So if you're late twice, you're fired. You know, it's tough. And that goes for interns. I go for staff members. I've never been late in the eight years that I've been open. So I always say people are late for one of two reasons. They don't respect where they work or they don't respect the people that they work with. So I, I don't waver on that. And I'm very, in, I'm, everyone in the beginning says, oh, yes, yes, yes. It's no problem. You know, whatever, whatever. I don't make excuses. I don't live in excuses, right? We're in the business of solving other people's problems, particularly in the service industry. We can't be late. That just, that doesn't happen. So generally, people usually know when they're doing wrong. They just want to see how long it's going to be before you bring it up. Yeah. How far they can get with it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't have a problem with letting people go because I understand that if holding on to the wrong person will actually compromise and crush your business. So for me, it's like, it's not working. You know, we'll have that conversation. If you don't deliver on what you said, unfortunately, today will be your last day. Yeah, you mean business. <laughs> but it is your business. You have to take it seriously. Absolutely. It's my baby. And again, I don't think that people consciously think about how their actions affect everybody else in that business because they don't say, oh, Melissa was late or Tori didn't deliver. They say, you know, the block shop, they, they're not on time. Exactly. You know, canceled on me or things like that. And we can't have that. 
Yeah, exactly. Well, so that's your least favorite part of your job. We cannot end on that note. Tell me what your favorite part of your job is. So my favorite part of the job, I have so many favorites. Um, Developing people, right? So I always say that I'm a curator of opportunities and we use this platform for people to bring out the best in them. So someone that worked with me previously said, you know, there's the olive and the olive oil. Melissa's going to squeeze the oil out of the olive. So that made me proud because when you leave from the bark shop and go on to do whatever, you should be better than you came in. Um, I love, love, love when people are so surprised and they love their pets' haircuts. Or um, I love when we do a lot of community events. So we're actually having our community barbecue this year again on August 1st, uh, where we feed the community and everything is free. And I think just the outpouring love of the people that come and they're like, we rooting for you. You know, I don't have a dog. I don't have a cat, but we tell people about you, you know, or they're like, go down the block and go see Melissa, things like that. I really value and appreciate that. And I think just the dogs, I think they, they really changed me. You know, I never thought that this was something that I would be doing. And my interns, the dogs, like they just make you happy. They just know. Um, and I love cats too, because I feed cats in the house. So I think when I get to interact with cool cats, because I've had some experiences with some crazy cats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I get to interact with cool cats and it's like, wow, I'm doing something that I love. Um, it's not easy, but I get to wake up every day and actually enjoy what I do. So that those are the great things for me. And sometimes I'll stand across the street from my business and I'll look from different angles and I'm like, wow, we created that. That gives me the chills. That like makes me tear up thinking about you standing out there looking at that. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm like, we did that. I sometimes, you know, and you, I have to, you know, it's important for me to have like a good self-talk game too. And it's like, you did that girl. You know, even now as I'm going to talk to other people about my company and things like that, I did this for eight years by myself. I'm a solo founder. I didn't have any investors. I didn't know anything about the industry. I literally, like Drake said, started from the bottom. Now we're here. <laughs> I started from the bottom and now we're here. So Yes, I love it. <laughs> That's amazing, Melissa. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story, your advice, your experience with all of us today. This has been an amazing interview. Um, tell everyone where they can find you online to um, keep in touch and learn more. Yeah, so you can definitely follow us on Instagram at The Bark Shop. It's T-H-E-B-A-R-K-S-H-O-P-P-E. We're trying to get to 10,000 so we could get some new features and things like that. So follow us, follow us. Um, and then definitely you can visit us on our website, www.thebarkshop.com. Two P's and an E in shop. Uh, we have great products. We have great things coming in the future. So definitely, you know, you can visit us for our products and things like that. And just stay in touch. Yeah. Well, thank you again so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me, Sorry, Have a great day. What did you like most about this episode? Find me on Instagram at tmystic and let me know what intrigued you or what questions you have about starting or growing your own dog-inspired business. You can also screenshot this episode and tag me in your stories. I love to see who is listening out there. Some of the best conversations happen after the episode, right? So track me down over on Instagram or join the Wear, Wag, Repeat Labs Facebook group to connect with other dog-obsessed entrepreneurs. 
And as always, you can find all the links and resources discussed in this episode at wherewagrepeat.com slash podcast. See you back here next week.